It is a time of rebellion. It is a time of revolution. It is a time that has been since he was six years old. satisfied. They're everywhere. They're watching me now. Soon enough, these days will end. There will be no rules going forward. Case for Rebellion. That's what a reckoning sounds like. A Fandom Awakens Radio spin-off podcast. Alright, gang, and with that, welcome to the latest episode of Fandom Awakens Radio's latest spin-off, Fulcrum. A Case for Rebellion. Yes, very old school title if you know your NPR history. I am your host, your your master of ceremonies, your Luthen Rail, except I don't have that Skarsgård charm, whatever, um, if you will. And with me, your friend of mine, uh, you know what? He's, well, let's just say he's sanity recovering. No, not that sanity. We know what Moondoggy does already. We had a little problem called Ian a few weeks ago. But you know what? He's fine. He's here. Your friend of mine, all the way out in the swamps of Dagobah, or Florida. Hey, we love both of them right now. Kyle Wagner. Kyle, how's it going, bud? Oh, it's in recovery mode. I'm going to be honest with you, a little stressed still, a little tired. The adrenaline's kind of wearing off, but... I'm here. I can't complain. Um, I was able to watch episode five of Andor, which was a good thing. So, you know, all in all, I'll take it. All right. All right. Well, that sounds that sounds wonderful. We're gl- we're glad to still be doing this. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um. If you go if you go about fifty south fifty miles south of me, it gets a little ugly. It's kind of looking like the rem- remnants in the trash compactor. Ugh. Oh. Oh, I don't even want to know what a Dianoka would look like. In yeah, I... in the case of a hurricane, the 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 uh, real life equivalent of a Dianoka would be a gator swimming in the streets, going what? Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> but I I am ready to talk a little uh, spy missions, a little um, rebellion, a little bit of 
interesting things because I the last two episodes of Andor have been quite intriguing. That they have. I I will just say this, right? Getting <laughs> this out of the way right now, the Quacky Monk Lizard in the room. These two episodes of Andor, um, Aldani and the Axe Forgets, I, mm-hmm. I think it was. But these two episodes of Andor feel more Star Wars than Star Wars. And yes, yes, I know everybody can, you know, threaten to throw their iPod at the wall. But come on, follow me on this. These two episodes were a lot more of the the building tension uh, that, you know, George, for all the pearlish wisdom that, you know, people um, remember him for, I'm sorry, you kind of glossed over a really important detail all those years ago. And it's what I was talking about last time, uh, Kyle, when we were uh, recording with uh, Kevin and Marcus, is for something called Star Wars, how the hell has it taken 45 years to get a goddamn war in it? Well, and the way I kind of have looked at this show is even though we, I'm not even sure we're quite ready for the war yet. We're in the, we're still in the kind of the precursor right. phase. Right, no, I agree. I definitely agree with that. I I think that one of, a few of the things that I'm just going to throw out randomly for Andor is one, yes, this show is different than anything we've ever received in Star Wars before. I think it's it even is, yeah. Ro- I think it's even different than Rogue One at this point mm. because one of the things that I'm really enjoying that they've started doing, especially with episode these last two episodes, David, and I, I know we'll go into a little more detail, is the political aspects. But it's not just from the Rebellion side. We're seeing what's going on in the Empire. We're seeing what's happening in several different places, and it's so intriguing. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm glad you brought up the Empire because I'll just say this. George made uh, the his movies, his arc, right? Very mm-hmm. black and white, the the good hats and the bad hats, uh, the you know cowboys and Indians, whatever metaphor of choice you want to go with, right? Yeah. And here you're like, okay, the Empire were told they're bad, but he put in a, you know, Tony Gilroy sort of found an interesting way to, to be like, almost. You know, that reaction Thor has in Thor Ragnarok. Is it, though? Because there's such a a moral center of the Empire. They're not all evil. They're trying to do good, but in their own specific way. Well, and the other, but the other aspect of it is, too, is what I find interesting is, is that we see in this show, and we've already seen it, is that it's... There's 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 the their own political maneuvering just within the empire itself with trying to gain power, climb up the ladder, and what the people are willing to do to do that. And I, mm-hmm. I find that so intriguing, and I'm so glad we're seeing that side because we've always, when it comes to the empire, we've always seen it's the emperor, it's Vader, it's it's Tarkin. We don't really see that middle side. No, no, either. we don't. And I'm I'm really glad that we're getting a chance to see this now. Um, I, I think that's just I think Andor's nailing it on the political side of Star Wars and with the political intrigue. And I think I think too that it's it's nailing it with the within the aspect of really giving us a interesting feel and take on Star Wars that we've never had before and really seeing this period to the build up of the rebellion. And 
the, the little fires that have start that are started and the building to the explosion we get, which I really feel like, I mean, and you can tell me if I'm I'm wrong, but I really feel like now that what we're seeing in Andor, what we're getting set up is really that's the apex of the rebellion as far as the Empire starting to take the rebellion seriously. It is, yeah, it is. Um, you know, I. It's like I'm sorry. I know we've had several iterations of the the birth of the rebellion. Uh, you know, mostly in books. You know, rebels did it did its uh, thing with it. Um, even Rogue One did its thing with it. But yeah. here, I really feel like the first time we're getting a really sort of eye opening look on. How'd this all start? Yeah, I I, I I agree with you. And I I I just think it's also very interesting to see this part of Star Wars on our screen and I'm sorry, it's some of the most beautifully made Star Wars we've ever seen too. It is. I, I really want to point that out because everything I love about Andor, like production wise, and I was talking about this uh, last episode. And I'll just, you know, double down on it, is, you know, everything I wanted from The Mandalorian. You know? Yeah. Because, I'm sorry, I know how useful it's been. I know, you know, uh, they want to honor George and the techie always pushes forward and being innovative and all of that. Yada, yada, yada. But here's the thing. Star Wars, you know, let's. I'm gonna just say this, and yes, it can be controversial, but the internet likes to eat controversy like we eat frosted flakes. Jesus, but Star Wars, some of the magic has been gone with this whole, you know, let's let's do the quick and easy path of the volume. No, I I, I I have two takes on that. Sure, um, go ahead. One, I think the volume is a great tool, and I think it really works at times. I think, unfortunately, what happened with the volume is that it ended up having to get you overused because of what happened in the world well, today. Well, yeah, that, that whole thing, yeah. Um, So I think it got overused before it was completely ready to be used as much as that, and I think... We still see it, and I'm sorry. You you can have all the effects you want. Nothing is going to make up for practical locations and right. what you can do. And that, and we're seeing that with this show. The volume is a great tool. It helps you with certain things, but you still need that practical if you want to get. Oh, real absolutely. Feel. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm a practical fella. The Obi Wan Vader fight, for instance, deserved far much better, far more. Farm deserves so much better, right? Than uh, you know, basically being the equivalent of Obi and Vader pay, playing peekaboo with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, uh, it was a great fight. Don't get me wrong, and Deborah Chow did amazing. Yeah, and it was no. it was mainly great because as we were covering Kenobi, I talked about this, but I'll bring it up again when you take. When you take the fight out of the spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're left with just these two guys, and and 
it it just worked you know you didn't need the spectacle you didn't need the flash flash and razzmatazz although i will say it was kind of very um uh avatar the last airbender uh ain versus the fire lord when obi-wan was just pelting vader with rocks yeah <laughs> i thought that was kind of funny i'm like filoni you sly devil you well, I I, th- I think some of the other stuff that's going on with Andor too, and I think this is why I am so excited about the show and feel so hopeful is I really think that it's a it's Star Wars finally growing up a little bit. It and is, I, yeah. It started it with Rogue. It started with Rogue One, and what I'm really, really hoping it comes what comes out of this is that we see a reality where Star Wars doesn't have to be about the Force and the Jedi. And it doesn't have to always be around certain aspects of a certain saga. It can right. be its own thing and stand on its own two feet. And I think that's what I'm liking so far about Andor is even though, you know, you have the Empire, we know we're going to have the Rebellion, we're going to see some other familiar faces as the show goes along. But it really feels like its own thing. And, you know, you look at Rogue One, which felt like its own thing, but it still had the tie-in where the, it was giving us the mission of how they stole the Death Star planes. You even look at Solo. It's still got some ties in there because it is on Solo. Right. Um, and you're always going to have that regardless anyway. But this, for the most part, is either newer original characters or characters we know but have never really been fully that explored. Right. Like, like Saw, for instance. Yeah. So... I'm I'm really looking forward to see what happens with this show going forward, and I really hope that this show creates a, a Star Wars angle now that we're going to see more of, where it's it's something a little bit more original and a little something that isn't pulling from so much lore. You know what's going to be really interesting, uh, the take you just made, <laughs> is how, and I guess we'll know when we when we get to it, but is how um, the Acolytes can go over with you. Yeah, because I think Acolyte Acolyte is just a whole different monster altogether. Well, yeah, because it's dipping into that mystic end, but the other side of it. Because let's be honest, the light side has gotten enough attention. Yeah. The dark side has gotten very little, other than Vader talking about how great it is. Yeah, no, I agree, but I, I think it, I think there's more than that too. I mean, with Acolyte, you're going into a totally different time frame of the Star yeah, Wars universe. True, too. true. You're going but, um, uh, like tail end of High Republic where we are now, which yeah. is why, funny enough, that's why I think they they uh, moved Phase Two back because they they have this kind of um, in the tail end of um, the High Republic era show to worry about. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why they moved um, Phase 2 back. Uh, so I find that amusing. Um, but it's, uh, I believe, a couple, like two, 200, 300 years before uh, everything goes to hell. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I think the other interesting thing that to me is going on with Andor as a podcaster is... You cannot podcast about this show in a traditional manner. No, not at all. You can't just do an episode by episode 
of Andor, especially if you, in our case, where we're doing two episodes at a time, because right. it's such a continuing story, and it's it's such a slow burn story. Yeah. And I, I've I've seen the people on the internet, you know, oh come on, can't this be a little more action packed? I'm like, no, they have twelve episodes. They know they have twelve episodes. Tony is building these building a world, and you know. This is skipping around a little bit, but I'm specifically episode five, which I know a lot of I've heard a lot of complaints about. Oh my gosh, why was this such a slow episode? I'm like, he has the time to develop these characters, right? No, no, I know. Care about them. If this were a six episode series, we'd be pissed off by now. Yeah, I mean, if it was a six episode series, next episode would be the end with. Probably the heist that you're doing and ending on that heist. Yeah, you know? and, yeah, but I can see that. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's the thing. Tony is also making us care about these other characters because they're probably not the the, the fate that awaits them is probably not good. No, and I think no, like the that one kid with his manifesto. I think he's biting it. Um. So, but we're getting a chance to at least know these people and actually have legitimate caring for these right. characters. Right, no, I agree, and, uh, I agree. And them not just getting the old, as we'll say, redshirt treatment. No, uh, true, true. Or or the clone trooper treatment, because we know Filoni hates his clones. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now let's talk about uh, going with the beginning of episode four, just for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I I think back to when Tony Gilroy uh, said there's going to be no uh, sort of fan service or Easter eggs in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a ball-faced lie. Um, I mean, we got a pretty we got a pretty big name drop that Luther Rail uh, made uh, when he gave Cassian the Sky Kyber, right? Yeah. Well, let me stop you for one second, David, because I want I want to say something about the Easter egg thing. What Tony said, and what a lot of people are misreading, is Tony said he, there would not be any forced Easter eggs. If if things got mentioned because they fit in the story, that's why. But he was not going to force yeah, an Easter okay, egg that in part, just to that force part an Easter egg sense. in. That part makes sense. I'm not arguing that. Yeah, but still, I'm like, dude, you work with you're you're working with Lucasfilm. You can't devoid it entirely and make such a blanket statement like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, with, I think I think his wording. You and I both know his wording was exactly like that. He yeah. could word things a little better, um, yeah. but when he get when Luthen Rail gives Cassian the Sky Kyber, right? Mm-hmm. He uh, uh, brings up the name uh, uh, Rakata, the Rakatan invaders specifically. Yeah. Now that's a term we haven't heard since EU, right? Well, and again, this goes back to what uh, they've been doing with these Disney Plus shows: is slowly working back the parts of EU. That they want into can into right. the canon, right? Which which is exactly, and people thought I was goddamn crazy. And internet don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about because you were accusing me of this. I said exactly in 2012. That's that's exactly where you're going to see happen. 
That's exactly well, what you're going to see happen. And you know what? It's happening. Yeah, I think the I think they always planned that they knew they had too much good stories with these with those characters. Right. I it think was, they had it to was be, just a mess in the old EU. Yeah. They they had to be done in a certain way to get them to fit properly in what they actually wanted to do right. and not just have it be where everybody's just kind of uh foot loose and fancy free with storyline ideas. Yeah, I, I, yeah, to make a comparison to that, Kyle. That's why yeah. I'm glad that uh, Marvel is basically doing uh, pretty much the exact same thing, case in, a la case in point, um, the uh, bringing Charlie Cox in as Daredevil. Yeah, well, and I think I think, you know, it's it's one of those things to where they've smartened up a little bit mm. in Hollywood in the aspect of when we're rebooting something, even whether it's a soft reboot or something like that you know we don't we don't have to throw out all the bath water but you know what we can run it through a filter and see what sticks and what's worthwhile of keeping yes yes and then dc i'm looking at you please keep henry cavill please figure out your shit well that's a whole other thing i know i know i know but you bring up don't throw out the baby with the bath water just filter everything and i'm like come on keep henry cavill because you and i both know Henry was never the fucking problem. No, it was bad scripts and not getting proper direction. They never gave him much to do. Yep. So, but you know, and you you say you never gave him anything much to do. Yet that's some of the fans' problem with Andor. There's not enough going on. No, yeah. <laughs> see, it circles back around. It it really circles back around. So I mean, but David, my, my feeling, my feeling is that with, with what I loved so much about the beginning of episode four too was we're seeing that early version of Cassian who's still trying to kind of get his bearings and figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And and you add into the aspect of this too, you find out that um, Cassian was recruited, but it wasn't quite the full thing that um Luthen told him where he was <laughs> looking for him to join the rebellion because Luthen's gonna pay him and Luthen Luthen is wor- was working a little few more angles than what we realized. Right, yeah. Luthen Luthen uh, this guy's a slippery dude. I mean Luthen had a few more angles up his sleeve than just the I was looking for you, Cassian, not this box. Yeah. And a box that by the way Design-wise, looks like Vader's chest plate. Did you notice that? Yeah, oh, very much so. <laughs> and I think there's more to that box than meets the eye with the way certain members of the Empire are. Well, um, we'll get acting we'll about get to it. in a bit, but aren't aren't some of the ISB like uh, trying to claim jurisdiction? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so we'll get to that in a little bit. But you know, let's take a minute here while we're talking about things that were new in episode four yeah mon mothma oh god yeah you know what brilliantly by genevieve O'Reilly. right right i'm just gonna say this why george lucas had the audacity to cut her not just cut that subplot which which honestly would have made me like a, a Revenge of Sith a lot better than I already do, okay? But why George had the audacity 
to cut her is, I'm sorry, just plain ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I agree, but, you know, it it is what it is, but she's getting her moment to shine now. And oh, yeah, she is, taking... she is. She is making me appreciate the the character more than anything Caroline Blankenstein or Blankenstein or whatever it is uh, made me do. Because I, I always viewed Mon Mothma as a freaking throwaway. Yeah, and de- definitely not now. Because um, in, in a... Jedi, that's essentially what she was. She was essentially yeah. uh, Leia with a ghost costume on. Yeah. Well, in this case, she's definitely a powerhouse, and she's swinging that power around. Oh, it's yeah. It's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. It's very interesting, and of course, and we discover she has a very interesting family dynamic at home. Yeah. You know what? I'm glad that Tim with two M's is dead. Can we kind of... Uh, aim that wish at Perrin. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, that guy's a douche. Or, yeah. let's keep it a Star Wars way, that guy's an R2-D bag. Mm-hmm. I'm like, good lord. And her, do- but, and her daughter's like a, you know, R2-D bag in training, apparently. Well, you know, she's a teenager. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that's kind of forgivable, I suppose. Yeah, but, I mean, it's just, everything with these two episodes, David, it was just, it, it pulled me in. I mean, I, I, it's just how it's being written, how it's being performed, and I'm so intrigued because there's a sense of tension. And that's something I think in any yeah. of these shows that we've had on Disney+, Plus, whether it's been Mandalorian, um, Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan, some of the Marvel stuff, because of the time frame of episodes, the number of episodes they've had to work with, mm-hmm. there's been no sense of tension in the episode. None. No. And I, I think the other thing is, too, and again, this comes back to using new characters or using characters who have barely been used, one characters we may, may not know a full history on, mm-hmm. there's, there's an amount of risk and tension to that. And I think that's one of the things with episode five that really, oh, yeah. really is... Before we um, talk episode five, just a few more things to point out. One, yeah, I did what I was what I I wanted to say was just it's by us getting to know these characters, it's building tension. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, When when uh, he when Cassian gets to the planet, obviously going under the name uh, Clem for the job. You know, I guess Clem being his adoptive um, father figure. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Um. But when when he gets there, the only issue I have, the only issue is, I'm and I have this with Kenobi, you know, especially when, um, you know, Baru and Owen are are trying to face um, uh, Riva, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, you can't dress up. Going back to this. I'm like, you can't dress up the the guns to look a little bit more spacey. Yeah, that's been a knock a lot of people have had, and I can I can I can understand that on one side. I kind of get a little kick out of it after the other. But, <laughs> well, but you know, I, you, br- you bring that up. I think David and that- I think the difference will be when we see um, episode six and be like, okay, tell me they're at least firing lasers. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. But I, that brings up a point, David, and it's something with this show completely across the board is I just, the look of the show is so mind-blowing. It is, yeah, it is. I'm, and again, it's what I was bringing up with the volume difference um, is this just feels more and again, it feels that way uh, with, um, you know, the tension building and uh, these two episodes being the equivalent of the pointer scenes that George was really not good at and really didn't like doing. Um, you know, where you have to point and tell your characters where to go, that kind of thing? Yeah. But, because uh, these two episodes felt that. And the way the show looks is exactly why I titled the episode... Uh, this feels more Star Wars than Star Wars because, my God, this, this, look, if they can stay with this kind of production value, right, uh -huh. then whenever we get back to theatrical movies, as we should, but whenever we get back to that, that's just going to kill. Oh, yeah, most, most definitely. Now, that is predicated on continuing with this production value. If the next show, well, the next show is going to be animated, so that's not really counting. Uh, and we and we and we know the next show is definitely going to be incorporating a lot, incorporating the volume in it. Well, I okay, but the the if they blend it, yeah. that'll be different. Okay. But if they fall back to how Mandalorian and uh, especially Kenobi have come off, and Book of Boba Fett, which was painfully volume obvious, if they fall back to that, then they've learned nothing from this. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. That's for it sure. will but, be, that's for gonna... sure. But... Me, I'm David, me I'm being the about... most biased guy, I mean, you and I have done this for a while. You know how biased I am. But me being the well, most biased guy on this call, I'll just say, if they fall back on the overuse of volume, then they've learned nothing from uh, the production value of this. Yeah. But my point, too, was it's not just being on set locations. It's it's. It's the clothes they're wearing, the color palette that they're using, the that color is true that they're too, using, yeah. um, you know, how they're building the sets around. And, you know, it's just, there, there's so much in this that's – this show has kind of a drab feel to it. But even, even like when you have areas where there's more color, the color still feels even a little bit drawn out, except for Coruscant. Coruscant feels bright. It feels vibrant. But there's still a little bit of a darkness over it. Well, Coruscant is one of those planets where uh, we know what sucks the dark out of it, and it's like we're not there yet. Yeah. Right? No, I, I, I know. I, I mean, I, I think it. as we go into the rest of the season, and especially season two, we're going to start to see it change, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but it'll be done visually, much like the shot where in Mon Mothma's apartment, you know where she's sitting alone at the table, but it looks like the 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 way the shot's framed, it looks like she's being swallowed up. Yeah, very foreshadowing for what eventually happens to her if you're following, um, you know what the EU did with Mon Mothma. But I think yeah. we have 
new game territory to go with. But the reason I bring that up is I think that's exactly through the rest of this season and season two in particular going to be the slow visual changes with Coruscant. Mainly because it has to. Yeah, I I agree yeah. with you completely on on that. But I mean, there's just there's so much, David, and, and this show is so. Again, I, I I'm gonna come back to it because I think it's just so important. For, it's for one of the reasons why I'm loving this sh- show is it feels like you're reading a novel in a little bit, and that you're going through this slow build and you're going through this slow burn, but it's building the world and it's building these characters in ways we haven't seen characters built in quite a while. Oh, I agree totally. Yeah. It totally Especially does. in Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Lately in Star Wars? No. I mean, I totally agree because lately in Star Wars, it's been, let's just throw at you the same characters we've seen a thousand times. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I'm I, like, I, and it's almost, I would almost equate it to. And I know everybody loves to make this comparison, but yeah. uh, I would almost equate it to the MCU's overuse of Stark. Well, but here, here's here's the thing to me: like Stark is probably the, like the Luke Skywalker aspect or the Han Solo aspect with, with that. Yeah. But but the but the but the other aspect of that of this is right now. David is we're we are in a time now where we have for the first time really ever we have constant Star Wars. Yeah, I know, right? It may, you it know, makes the uh, wait between movies seem a little more bearable than it used to. Well, but I mean even when you compare it to like try to compare it to Marvel, at least Marvel was still putting out two or three movies a year. So there was always something to Yeah, no, was I coming. agree. I agree. I mean, where we've we, where we've had it, especially us who are fans from the original trilogy on, we've had these huge twenty year plus gaps. Right. Yeah. Between think Star Wars, and it's I think the the having finally something that's diving into a totally different side of Star Wars that we haven't seen and giving us char- character development and new characters that we can really kind of get a little bit of sink our teeth into and have some mystery around them is a good thing and it's also the fact that they're being thought out thoroughly and portrayed so incredibly well whether it's you know obviously Stellan Skarsgård is a master actor. Oh Stellan Skarsgård just kills it. All the Skarsgårds do even the even the one that looks like a homeless drunken blade um uh Merlin in that short-lived um what was that show that I think Netflix canned after one season? Was it Camelot? No, it was it was something involving um, uh, I guess a, a woman pulling the sword out of its, out of. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're cursed? talking about. I can't think of the name of it. Yeah, yeah. First, it might have been, but yeah, no, I, I think I by think the, the way, other by thing the way, is... Netflix, I'm not over that. That was a great show. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Um. Like I look at Luthen, and after these two episodes, I'm just I want no I want to know more about Luthen because obviously he's playing multiple sides here. Right. Yeah. He is. And did you just pay attention? Did you go back and watch some of the things he had in his shop on Coruscant? Oh Coruscant's? God! You know what? 
I'll, I'll just say this, right? First what? of all, I want to see whenever I go back to a celebration or any of us go back to a celebration, I want to see that shop recreated as uh, as a sh as a section of the celebration store because good lord that would just be I mean, amazing he had, he had a jedi and a sith holocron in that store yeah he he had he had even is a blinking you miss it moment when he and mon are having their own conversation mm -hmm. but i don't know if you saw he had a carbonite slab that had Indy's whip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you catch that? Yep. And he also had two of the stones that Indy said he could only find three of. Uh, yeah, uh, from the uh, Temple of Doom. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. probably the weirdest one. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, kids. Give Crystal Skull a break because if you're calling that movie weird, you haven't watched Temple of Doom. Yeah, but Crystal Skull's pretty weird, so... <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. Uh, Sh Shia swinging with the monkeys is a little disturbing. Okay, uh, yeah, so is, so is this one guy pulling hearts, and who's the one who's the one person he leaves alone? The screaming chick they call Willie. Yeah, well, you know. Right? Yeah, yeah well, I'm not surviving nuclear explosions in a refrigerator either. No, but okay, but, uh, right. fine, fine, yep. <laughs> Probably could have used it if Ian uh, didn't, you know, shift. But yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But but I think I think too, David. The other thing that's making Andor work so well is, and I think that I think some people had a knock on this with the first three episodes because you really didn't get a lot of cat casting Andor character insight right, I mean, yeah, you, right. you had the flashbacks, but you didn't see Diego go full in and in episode. Th in episode five, you really start seeing Diego go full into Cassian, and we're seeing that okay, yeah. Oh yeah, it's a you, lot of you, there's there's a lot of different sides to this character. You started to see the Cassian powder cake. Yeah, I mean, does that make sense? Like the first three episodes were the Cassian fuse. These yep. two are like the Cassian cake. Right. Oh, very much so. We're 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 building to a something major happening. Oh happening yeah, there, obviously. there's, you know what? We would have done this as uh, as a three block guys, but let me be let me be perfectly clear. I edit these things and produce them myself. There's no way I want to do uh, uh, three blocks for uh, all twelve. And, and and let's be let's be, let's kind of be honest here. We weren't real sure what to expect and how they were going to pace this out. Not really, no. Not really. I mean, Tony was rather hush hush. Yeah, this has been a little bit of a mystery here. So it it, it it's fascinating to watch how this. Uh, is let's just say, right Kyle. Now. Dare we say it? It was a mystery box without that annoying JJ flair. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and. This is coming from a guy who loves all the movies, so internet be as surprised as you want to. <laughs> but I, I think again, it's one, it's one of the things I talked about a little bit earlier. This is a, this is not an easy show to podcast about because no, it's not. It, it's it's there's so much going on, but because of the slow burn aspect of it to it, and as podcasters, we've gotten used to these rapid fire bang bang bang. Something's always happened. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, we have. 
wondering whether a certain footloose Twi'lek is actually alive. Filoni, I'm not over that, by the way. You, you, I'm still angry. Ugh. That that hurt, Kyle. That that really hurt. Filoni, you don't want to see David when he turns into a big green rage monster. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll just go to a I'll just go to a convention with my uh Filoni hat and I'll get the praise. There you go. <laughs> so, but I mean, David, I want let me ask you this because I, I I'm kind of curious. Sure. How are you coping with the slow burn aspect of it? Because you, you, you know, it's it is one of those things. It really does take some patience to watch the show in in a certain way. I I love the slow burn aspect because, well, like I said, a you know what's coming, and b is this is the one this is the one show where I I kind of. Don't mind Tony Gilroy. I I don't necessarily want him hanging around, but I give him a pass because of this. This this era was so teed up by George, so teed up by George. Yet he did he did practically nothing with it, right? Yeah, and that and that's what no internet shush. Don't get mad. He he glossed over the war part in Star Wars. We all know this. We've all seen the movies five hundred times. Some five hundred one. Eh, eh. Five hundred first. I I got you. I see you. But you know he glossed over that. So this this particular section of what we have now has been teed up for a long time. A long time. And in that sense, I can kind of... Um, uh, it's circling back around, I promise. But in that sense, I can kind of go with the, the slow burn because it's exactly what I wanted Star Wars to do. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, you're... no I agree. Yeah. Uh, now again, after after this, I don't necessarily want Tony Gilroy sticking around, and I don't think he will, given some of his public statements. Yeah, I, I think once he's done with this, once he's done with season two, I think he's out the door. But yeah. I will say, like I was saying before. Once he's done with season two, what I want Lucasfilm to do is learn the value of actual Star Wars productions again. You know, yeah. I go back to the oldest saying in the book, and it's a saying George said once before, obviously, he went down, down, way down the prequel rabbit hole, and everything started to look like, well... Like you're watching Avatar, thanks James Cameron. But you know, special effects are just tools, means of telling a story. A special effect without a story is a pretty boring thing. Well, like I was saying uh, last episode, 
where it was, you know, you, me, Kevin, and Marcus, I, I miss that. I, what, what pains me, okay, and I got, I got a great release when he sold because this franchise can actually be what it should have been all along. Uh, but no, because of George's play too close to the best stubbornness, it wasn't. But what pained me is when we started the prequel era and George lost sight of his own statement. Well, yeah, there's that, and that does not help the situation. No, it doesn't. And, and people yeah. wonder why... It seems like, uh, you know, Lucasfilm is crawling out of uh, a hole. It's like, who do you think dug that hole? Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely get where you're I'll coming I'll give from. you a hint. He wore plaid and had a beard. <laughs> uh, but, hey, I, I've got... I've got Respect for the man, uh, maybe not the same kind of love for the man that I did, but I got respect for him and what he did, and mainly, you know, a huge amount of of respect because he walked away. Well, he knew it was time. Yeah, well, he would have done so anyway on his own, I think. What he did not need, and you and I both know this, because we've talked about it on numerous other shows, is he did not need the the internet goddamn mob-ruling idiots with their torches and pitchforks because they didn't get what they wanted. He did not need that. Because at the end of the day, George is a goddamn human being, and these are just goddamn freaking movies. That's it. Yep. There you go. Mr. Sendon has been on the soapbox. Yeah, sorry. Now let me get off before someone kicks me off. Yeah, well, so we'll change it up here because there's one thing we haven't talked about that I think we need we need to talk about. What? I think it's our favorite serial killer in training, Cyril. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Because yes. he's not wound. He's wound a little too tight for my likings. Well, uh, now, now, in defense... And no, this is not trying to defend them like, you know, Tim with two M's, because I'm glad Tim's dead. But in defense of Cyril, if you're forced to leave your your position and go live with your mom, wouldn't anyone yeah. be wound tight? Yeah, oh yeah, but he was wound tight even before oh, that. Oh yeah, no, now. no, I agree. He was... I, and I actually will say this again. He reminds me of if the Bully Maguire meme was actually live. Yeah, that's like true. A, like if Bully Maguire was a real person, it'd probably be Cyril Karn. Cyril. Cyril Karn. Damn it, I have cereal on the brain. He's eating. Well, you know, we, have blue, we did have blue milk cocoa pops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, can I just say, right, I'm so glad, so, so glad they did not pull a solo. This was probably a Lord and Miller thing in solo anyway, but did not pull a solo. And Cyril's looking at one of the Cocoa Puffs, and he's like, Death Star. 
Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry. I would have turned off Disney Plus and gone back to bed. Yeah. Well, it didn't happen, so. And, of course, watched it later, but I would have gone to bed real mad. I'm like, what the frick was that? (laughs) So I'm glad they didn't pull a solo. Well, I just may, I'm I do think though, but the thing with Cyril is at this point it's it's like one of the biggest mystery characters of the show. It's like okay, so what direction um, is are is she going? Is it, are they going with this character? What's going up with the mom? What's with her connections? Who is she fully connected to here? Yeah. What's going on? And how is this all going to end up tying back to Cassian? Yeah, you know I heard some weird theories that um, that uh, some were thinking Uncle Harlow, right? Might be the client. Well, that could be. Well, because they never really named him. Yeah, I would be shocked by that um, personally. I would. I'm just gonna say flat out, I would be pissed by that because I don't want this show to be any connection to the Mandalorian. Yeah. Look, I'm already. I I I'm holding out for Ahsoka. That is like my last mm-hmm. hope with this Mandoverse, Mando Wing, whatever you want to call it. But I'm already a little miffed with uh, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, what they've been doing. I mean, shoot, if, if Book of Boba Fett didn't put in, um, obvi- didn't put in Ahsoka, mm-hmm. I'd be ticked off. I'd be yeah. really ticked off with with. Um, with with Star Wars right now. But hey, I'm holding out for Ahsoka. Okay? Well, I I, I think we'll, you will have problems when Ahsoka comes out. Why? I just have a good feeling about Ahsoka. I think Ahsoka's going to be, in her, its own way, something oh, very different. Not have problems. I thought you were yeah. like, you know, setting me up for failure. I'm like, God damn it. Don't, don't. Don't make my heart have an, have its own Hurricane Ian, and it wipes away my feelings. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cause excessive panic I'm like, there. Shit. <laughs> so, in episode five, David, too, I think one of the other big things, and I've, I've talked about it several times and brought it up, but the fact that we're getting to know these characters that have been a, that Cassian is working with. Yeah, definitely. That they're not being just turned into cannon fodder characters. No. And we're really getting a sense of who they are, what's going on in the minds of these people. And also, I'm sorry because I'm, it's Tony Gilroy, it's not going to end well for several of No, and, and I think one character in particular, and I brought it up originally, but the, the kid around who, I swear to God, that actor looks like the... the, um, the uh, kid who was in uh, the original Matrix in '99, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, nope. you know the kid I'm talking about, the one yeah, with yeah, the manifesto. Exactly. I think he bites it in the next episode, and I will just say this: I think that um, you know Cassian finishes that manifesto, and it flips him into the Cassian we see make his way through Rogue One. Yeah, uh, I think this. I mean, there's going to happen. Don't you get that sense? Because there's something about how they teed that up, right? 
where if, if I think that's going to push casting even more into the guy we see, uh, you know, oh yeah, shoot the 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 Pablo Hidalgo looking guy in the back in on the rings of Kafrim in uh, Rogue One. Yeah, I think I think the events of this ice that's about to happen are really going to do a lot of shaping of Cassian into, towards more of the Cassian we saw in Rogue yeah. One. But again, I, organically shaped, not in a not in a sort of um, uh, forced, no pun intended, solo way of shaping them. Yeah, exactly. But I, but I mean, I'm just there's so many moving pieces, especially with that story, with all the storylines here, and that's what makes it so intriguing, and that's why there's to me this show is so re, it's rewatchable because I I've watched it each episode a couple of times and I've caught things that I didn't catch the first time yeah. around. And I'm just so intrigued about what the next step is because I feel like I, I honestly do feel legitimately like I'm kind of standing on my toes because I, I I'm gonna have to shift gears here with the show at some point very quickly. Well, you're you should be used to standing on your toes, unfortunately. Yeah, but I, but you see this what is I'm a nicer way of doing that. Yeah, with the, with this show, it's not a six episode show like Kenobi where you get in and you just know it's the instant ride, instant gratification. Right. Little, I love the fact we're playing the long game, and it's it, it just it's storytelling, and we're getting that, and we're we're getting time to develop things, and it's just it's like I, I can't I can't speak on it. Well, enough, yeah, I'm glad you absolutely so refreshing. I'm glad you brought up its storytelling because this feels like writers who write for a feature every week. Not writers yeah. that, like we've talked about off mic with some of the Marvel shows or even the previous shows with uh, Book of Boba Fett especially. These writers here feel like they know what they're doing. No, I think it's because Tony Gilroy came in with a direction. Yeah. And he knew, yeah, exactly. he knew exactly the story he wanted to tell and the direction he wanted to take it. And they're going with it, and they're following oh, it. Absolutely. And I think, absolutely. I think whether you, I know your feelings on the Mandalorian, but I do think yeah, that's one thing I will give the Mandalorian too, too is, and it's something I think that's the Disney Plus shows have been slowly fixing as far as Star Wars storytelling is having a set direction and having everybody be on at least something of a same page. And not having this chaotic, you're doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, or or this person can't get it. So yeah, we're just gonna throw him out and bring back the person who did the, this, and then and, and it, it's just it there is a lot more of a cohesive feeling into the universe. yeah. You yeah. know, in my in my Star defense with the Mandalorian, uh, you know, and I know, look, I enjoy the Mandalorian. I'm just like, look, I like a Star Wars show that's not. You know, distracted by the awe factor. Yeah. Right. And let's be honest, Grogu and and no internet. I'm not calling it what the rest of you are calling it. No. Grogu felt very uh, focus grouped in that awe factor sense, much like if you go to Rebels, Sabine was very focus grouped in that punky Brewster looking armor which by the way I hope they toned down a little bit for Ahsoka it's like come on I don't mind that armor but take things a little bit more seriously when you're live action yeah 
I mean, I think you can agree with that, right? No, I agree with that completely. Yeah. I mean, in animation, it can be as stylized as it wants, but the 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 exact way it was in Rebels in live action, yeah, fix that. Yeah, I I I, I agree with yeah, you there. Yeah, definitely fix that. But hey, I'm probably more excited for Sabine now than I ever was Rebels. So that's true. That's, that's true. Yeah. So I'm sure somewhere in Florida, Matt hears that and he's like, hmm? Yeah. I sense a disturbance in the force. <laughs> yes, as, as if, uh, as if the, as if the main podcaster turned around on a punky Brewster looking Mando. <laughs> so, I think too the other thing with Andor is I do think Episode Six is going to be a major turning point for the show. We're gonna get this heist, I feel, or at least the start of it, because this heist could go over a couple of episodes. I'm just yeah, saying. it could, yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised. What but, about I mean, the dinner? A... We've got to have that in there somewhere. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. I I wonder if we're going to have a certain uh, wigged. Uh, character should make an appearance at that per uh, a certain senator's request. Right. Let me ask you something. If they do have that dinner, would Slymore take a little doggy bag back to Sheev? Yeah, probably not because I don't think it's gonna dinner's gonna end well. Yeah, and I also don't think Tony's gonna be that kind of fan servicey. Yeah, right. Exactly. I, I don't don't expect that, that again. That's the kind of Easter egg Tony's not. I mean, put case in, in point. Yeah, you know, uh, case in point, how Deborah Chow was a little fan servicey, kind of shoving me in in that last um, yeah uh, episode. Yeah, exactly. Which, so I'm sorry, you you really didn't need to do, considering the the series was about these two guys. That was it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we so... know the emperor's there. Did you really need? Yep. I will say the one thing I did like about that, they made him look like the um, the pre-specialized uh, version of um, of the Emperor Emperor's hologram. Yeah, yeah, I which agree. I believe was a Clyde Barker touch, wasn't it? I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think you're right on yeah. that. So I kind of did like that because I'm sorry, I. Much like anything else in the special edition, I did not like that added hologram. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. That was a little rough. Yeah, but... that was a little so... rough. So I, I did like that Kenobi kind of pulled that back. But again, because it was just those two guys, that really didn't need to be in there. Yeah, God, no, I, I completely agree, but... Uh, so, so my question is, David, we've we've covered a lot on Andor. Is there anything that we haven't discussed that you want to get get out there on the Andor plate? Well, uh, since we're going all over the place with these, because uh, it's, it's there's no real other way to podcast about uh, Andor other than that. Um, I'm just gonna say, uh, going back to Luthen Shop, right? And especially seeing the mortise slab. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I have my reservations about, you know, 
the live action realm using Mortis. Okay. However, however, okay, if there's anyone to do it, I think Dave Filoni uh, is going to figure out a way to do it. Yeah. I'm just predicting it right now. I think Dave Filoni is going to figure out a way to do it. Uh, and the reason the reason I become hesitant about it, Kyle, is let's look at the obvious uh, cheats, okay, that yeah. franchises have. Star Trek, they get into trouble, they just throw the ship around the sun. Yeah. Okay? That's been a given for all of Star Trek's runs so far. DC, they get into trouble, they have uh, the Flash run his assets off. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, <laughs> that's been true for a long time, and we're seeing it now, except, if, you know, we had to get... Yeah, never mind. I don't want to talk about it. It's a conversation for another show. Yeah, uh, let's just leave that <laughs> yeah, one alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just leave that one alone. Marvel, they don't necessarily have anything like that. Uh, and they don't really have much of a problem anyway. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you look at the obvious cheats that franchises have. Star Wars, more this. The Mortis arc, especially the world between worlds, right? Yeah. Is that cheat? And I, I have, I, I just, I'm hesitant to say bring it into live action because it could easily become a cheap way out gimmick. Well, there, there's a Star Wars also has the stuff they did in Rebels too. With the whole time travel and the arches and all yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, but but that's that, what that, those scare me too. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. I mean, I do trust Dave Filoni to make that work if he did anything with it. Yeah. But that's what I'm talking about. That's why I went down the laundry list of, you know, easy cheats that franchises have, whether it's Star oh, yeah. Trek, whether it's DC, uh, or anything else. You know, oh, every every franchise has an easy cheat built in somewhere. Yeah, Marvel, and it's Marvel technically doesn't have one. Well, they do, but they just haven't played it yet. Right, they <laughs> they will be. Uh, I have I have every confidence. I, I in twenty twenty six they will. I be. guess you could say multiverse is an easy cheat, but that's why I'm kind of taking every movie they're doing now as as a uh, as a as a wait and see. Oh yeah. Well, like I said, I they have a very easy cheat coming in twenty twenty six, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to oh, it. Oh, you're referring to Secret Wars. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. Right. yeah. Battle World, all that good oh, stuff. Oh God. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I don't even want to think about that. The only hope I have for it is either they because look, I enjoyed Multiverse of Madness for what it was. You put you put Elizabeth Olsen in anything, I'm there. I'm like, I'm like uh, the little Olsen girls going, "You got it, dude." I'm there. All right. But my only hope for Secret Wars is either, you know, either Michael Waldron gets his act together and and does better, or they just quietly replace the writer. No, we'll see. We'll, we'll see and again, what happens. And again, tying to Star Wars, I'm like Michael Waldron is not giving me confidence in uh, in Feige picking him for that movie he's doing. Yeah, 
well, we'll 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 see what happens. I mean, there, there's a lot there's a lot of interesting things going on, and we'll see how it plays well, out. Yeah. But yeah, that's... Right now, the most interesting thing to me is what's going to be happening next in Andor, <laughs> because oh. I am excited to see how things play out with on Coruscant with Mon with what's going on with this little ragtag group of rebels with that dinner off that dinner i mean there's there's so many interesting pieces going on with andor right now i can't and what's crazy is i'm sitting here going it's building to the season finale in episode 12 12 but we still know we know for sure we've got 12 more episodes right so i just and i'm just gonna say this could we please not you know, like Empire Strikes Back, could we please not fridge the dinner where it's basically behind the door and you never see the uh, Han, Leia, Chewie, Lando, uh, Vader, and Boba? Yeah, right? I know, I, I agree with yeah, you there. Because, let's be honest, the only thing we saw of that was a, a rather dumbass, awkward robot chicken sketch. Yeah, pretty much. So. Yeah. so, could we please not fridge the dinner? That's all I ask of Andor. <laughs> I'm like, don't, don't put do it in that. the fridge. What's that? Don't don't fridge it. Don't put it in the fridge. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't don't hide it uh, in a fridge from a nuclear explosion either. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, anyway, that'll that'll bring us to the end of the episode, gang. Uh, Kyle, I'd like to thank you. Uh, for joining me as always, my friend, for obviously, you know, uh, surviving the the trauma of Hurricane Ian and uh, let's just say um, uh, my, my heart goes out to uh, all of you right now. You know, you, yeah, you the rest of the state, uh, um, uh, our, our boy Matt, right? Um, yeah, a lot of people are going through a hard time in this state right now, and you can say what you will about certain things with this state, but there's a lot of good people in it, and they could use your help, and they could use your support. It was, I wasn't even in the heart of the storm, and it was intense for many hours, and it's it's something to where you can see it on TV, but when you see it in person, it's just... It doesn't equal even do it justice. So, you know, just throw some extra force out there for all those people, especially even just a little bit south of me, because they're, they're, it's going to be a good while before they're up and up and living a normal life again. Yeah. And you know what? They could all use our support. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and uh, well, let I'm just going to say selfishly, I'm glad you two are okay, because, come on, with Ahsoka, we need our original ghost crew. Yeah, I'm glad I'm okay too. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even going to sugarcoat that. I am very glad I am okay. Yeah, too. yeah. No, I, I, I'm just going to say, it, you know, talking Ahsoka wouldn't be the same if it wasn't our original Ghost Crew. Uh, Matt, well, that, Matt, that includes you, dear boy. We know you're out there, man. Well, hopefully, hopefully we can make something happen there. That's. That's always the hope. Yeah, well, rebellions are built on hope. Exactly. <laughs> See, circles back around. We always do this. We always do this. So, gang, thanks for joining us. Two weeks from now, where we're we are talking episode six and episode seven. Until then, may the force.
be with you. Thanks for listening to Fulcrum, a case for rebellion, a Fandom Awakens Radio spinoff podcast covering Star Wars Andor, streaming exclusively on Disney+. Lucasfilm and all things Star Wars are subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. To steal from the Empire? You just walk in like you belong. They're so proud of themselves. So fat and satisfied. They can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house. Cassian Ander. The Empire is choking us so slowly. We're starting not to notice. What I'm asking is this. Wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? I need all the heroes I can get. For the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it war. There's fermenting out there, son. Pockets of fermenting. You're in my net. Are you a fish? Or are you a thief? You're slipping. (laughs) I'm not slipping. I've just been hiding for too long. As long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation, there's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is what revolution looks like. I'm tired of losing. Fandom Awakens Radio is meant for informational purposes only, and infringement is not intended.